Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. So, so the Suns are down 11 points going into the fourth quarter on the road against the New Orleans Pelicans. They then outscore them by 18 points in the fourth. That's a 29-point swing. Matthew, what the hell just happened? Go Suns! Yeah, you know, there was one thing I was trying to focus on was how are the Suns going to play defense in the fourth? <clears throat> really just to slow things down. They absolutely did, dude. It all started with Aiden basically holding it down in the post. Um, I Offensively and defensively for him tonight in the fourth quarter, it was just amazing. I was, I was, I was kind of shocked. I was writing in my notes. I'm like, will the Suns ever win another game? Every time they are down now, I feel like they're going to lose. And I have a lot of flim in my throat to start the show. <laughs> yeah, take a swig of water. We're we're gonna get through this. I just <laughs> I think that we were kind of mentally preparing for another downer podcast. It was a team that looked very disengaged to begin this game. They didn't really look yeah. uh, offensively crisp. Defensively, they were letting the New Orleans Pelicans kind of do whatever they wanted. Mm-hmm. And then in the fourth quarter, a switch was flipped. Chris Paul went into point God mode, was finding DeAndre Ayton to, in places where DA couldn't even fuck it up. I mean, that's what it came down to. And then the team started hitting the threes that they fell in love with uh, throughout this entire game. 22 total three-pointers ties a franchise record, and they walk away from the New Orleans Pelicans game with a 132-114 to 114 victory. So Jamsters yeah. unite, Jamsters stand up. I mean, what, what a game. I, I think we were all prepared to get together and talk about potentially a loss tonight. And you know what? We get to talk about a victory. Yeah, Jamsters, you're here with us again. But before we start, bless me, Father John, for I have sinned. I thought the Suns played at 7 o'clock tonight. So oh, I jumped no. in at 6.30 in the second quarter. So I am so that I don't think that's ever happened to me in my life. So yeah. I apologize. And, and you put on Twitter, too, that you were late because of work. But me, I'm just an idiot. I think Jamsters already know that, but that was my reasoning. <laughs> yeah, it was a long day at work. We've had some call-offs. Uh, the yeah. hospitality industry here in Phoenix, the rest of the country is blizzards and cold. And in Scottsdale, mm-hmm. it's 71 and gorgeous. So I'm I'm very busy, and I knew that I was going to have one of those days in which it, I was going to be pressing it. I was going to be getting home yeah. from work a little bit late. And then, of course, I did about halfway through the first quarter trying to catch up on what happened. I see Frank Kaminsky's got three threes and I see that the Suns are fighting in a game, you know, where they at one point were eight for 12 from, from deep, but we're only up by three points. I was like, Oh no, it's going to be one of these games. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll plenty to talk about on this pod. 
uh, given the fact that the Suns came back, it's nice that we're getting together on a Friday night to celebrate a Suns victory. If you are joining us, please go ahead and subscribe. Hit the thumbs up button. If you're listening on the Bright Side Podcast Network, please subscribe, rate, and review. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, go down to the bottom. Give us a five-star review. That rates not only us, but the Fanning the Flames podcast as well. You can follow the show at Suns Jam on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. You can follow me on Twitter at Darth Voida. You can follow Matthew on Twitter. At Matthew Lissy. All right. If, if you got them, drink them. I've, I've got a, the got Joy Bus Wow Week from there, uh, Four Peaks. Always nice, something delicious. new and snazzy from yeah, here. I got the old yeah. Diet Coke and some rum. So okay, let's crack it open. Nice pour it into pour it into the. Yeah, you, you pour it. Well, you crack it open and you pour it into the rum. Love it. Crack them if you All got right. them, Suns fans. Let's talk about this very awesome victory. So Phoenix begins the first game of a back-to-back on the road in New Orleans playing Zion on the Pelicans, a team that we beat early in the season by 25 points, and then we lost two by 22 points. Yep. And I guess the the first thing I got to know when I when I look at this, uh, this squad that the Pelicans have put together, Matthew, how do you feel this team, the Pelicans, rate – relative to athleticism in the NBA. Oh, it's close. I mean, when you have Zion Williamson as your best player, that guy, I mean, basically he's athletic, big, huge. You can't get in front of him really, unless you're stopping him out in the paint. But they're athletic. And if Brandon Ingram's athletic, I guess <laughs> this team's athletic, but he is just too long. It can get around anybody. If you notice, Mikhail Bridges wasn't really in the game long towards the end because he couldn't stop the guy. Um, athleticism's not really anything I think about as a, as a team as a whole, but definitely Zion as athletic, still young, still green, still trying to work on his moves down on the post. Right now, it's just a wrecking ball, dude. Yeah, he is, man. He is impressive to watch. The spin move is elite. The second jump is elite. It's something we've definitely talked about. You know, and when the Suns lost to the Pelicans uh, in the last matchup, that was something that we saw continually. And he almost kind of disappeared about midway through the third quarter and into the fourth. It just was no longer his game. And I don't know if it's because the Suns really started to increase the pace and it kind of took him out of the game. And that could be one key to negating the Zion attack is just run his ass off the floor. Yeah, no, exactly. That's the only thing you can do. Are you talking about Mikhail Bridges going out of the game or Zion? Zion. Oh, Zion himself? Yeah, yeah I mean, but like you have he, to he give just it up wasn't to Aiden, as, though, right? As, as, well, uh, do you? <laughs> I, I mean, he's the only body, really. Because if you think about it, like just the last game where we played the Nets and they were doing a lot of switches out there to where they had to switch on Aiden and then they could take him you know, to the rim. That was happening all night. But if you think about a lot of the centers in the league, Aiden's probably the only guy really, along with a few others, maybe that could stick with those kind of guys. And then you also have to deal with guys like Zion for him in some nights. But I like how they mirrored his minutes with Zion. I like how like he was a big body to be in his way. He, he has the footing to stay in front of him. Uh, keeping it up tall, straight and tall for, against him is 
what he was doing, but also he was fouling towards the end where I guess it didn't really matter too much as the game was getting out of hand. But I thought he did a decent job. I mean, like we always say, I feel like this is the third time we play the Pelicans in such a short time span. So I feel like we always talk about, I mean, you just can't stop Zion, dude. He's an all-star. It's just, well, it's, you can't stop these guys. It's a number one pick versus a number one pick. And I know it's early in the show, but I guess it's time for... Aiden Watch 2021. And I think Aiden is the perfect personification of how this game went. Because as the game began, he kind of looked disengaged. I almost felt like... You know, I I wrote in my notes, like, is Aiden digressing on offense? Like, dude, you have Jackson Hayes on you and you're not attacking this guy. You know, some guys, they don't care who's in front of them. They're going to try to go through them and get to the basket. Zion's a great example of that. A number one pick who he doesn't care who's there. He sees that basket. He looks up and he's like, I'm going to it. Whereas Aiton, he always is, you can see him thinking and you can feel him thinking. And I felt like there was instances in this game through the first three quarters where on offense, he was very lackadaisical. I think that's personified very well with the opportunity he had to take one up and dunk it. And he put up, you know, one of his little half-ass layups. And and I know we've had the conversation, you know, two points or two points, but like his hunger to score is not elite like Zion's is. It's not star-worthy. It's it's just average. And it's not like McHale either. Like McHale, when he doesn't score, it's generally because he's stopping the best player on the other team. The best player on the other team is Zion, and he ends the game 8 for 11 from the field with 23 points. I mean, it, he was efficient. So it's not like you can say, well, Aiton was not going uh, as hard on offense the way that he should have because he was taking on Zion, and, Zion was, uh, and his efforts were stopping Zion from uh, doing what he wanted to do. But then completely turns it around in the fourth quarter, uh, really starts to play within the offense and attacks the rim. And like, it's a different Aiton. And like the Aiton that we see and, and is the, the crux of son's Twitter and is the point for so many people's conversation pieces and trade pieces, you know, which is ridiculous in my opinion. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> it's, it was personified by that. The first half, eight, eight points, three for seven from the field. Second half, eight, and ends with 16 points on seven of 12 shooting. You know, so, I mean, he the rest of the game, he goes, what, like four for five? I, that's math, if I'm correct. Uh, ends with 16 points and 16 boards. I mean, so he just, he showed in the in one game the, the challenge that I feel a lot of Suns fans have with his performance is, he can be hungry at times and he can't, and he's not hungry at times. And it's just w- very weird to see that juxtaposed against Zion, who's always hungry. Yeah, I mean, they're two different kind of players, but when you really think about tonight, it really had to do with Aiden getting going in the fourth quarter towards the end of the third quarter where he was actually getting the ball. Chris Paul was feeding him. It was like three times in a row where he would find him the ball. And the third time it led to a double team because now the defense has to pay attention to to Aiton. And like we said last pod, when I was talking about how his interviews where he talks about like, oh, these guys can shoot. They can do their thing on offense. I'm here on defense anchor. Yeah, but if you get going and you're making your decisions quickly on offense, Aiden, you're going to get those shots. Like he made the turnaround jump shot, get into the rim, stuff like that to where the off the defense has to pay attention to him now. So then that frees up a lot more space for everyone else, right? So that's funny how that works. If we can see more of that just consistently, I mean, he's automatic, but compared to Zion, Zion has a motor. Zion wants to kill you. Aiden helping yeah. Zion off the floor kind of sucked because Zion would never do that because Zion's like the tough player. Aiden knows, oh, this game might be over. I'll just help him up. You know what I mean? It's been a hard-fought battle. 
I just I didn't like it too much, but that's just the way Aiden is. But that's why I want him to get going offensively because it opens so much for everybody else. And if you get that going, then this is what happens. You can blow teams out because now there's not just one guy on Aiden. And if he touches the ball, they know he's going to pass it up. Now you have to worry about him taking it to the rim or even on that double team, a perfect pass, dude. Like he is so talented and that's why it's frustrating. That's why people put him in trade scenarios because it's like we're one piece away. It's Aiden. And if Aiden can play that way, it makes our team that much better, like 20% to 25% better. I completely agree. I mean, it changes the game from outside in to inside out, and that becomes a more effective team if they can start to really get that pick and roll going to where he rolls hard to the basket. I mean, if he is rolling hard every single time, not kind of going lackadaisical, waiting for a lob to go up, and then he jumps up towards it. If he's already at the rim, this team gets really scary on offense because everything is predicated off that pick and roll, just like the old Suns offense was. Uh, but again, I think you know I, I'm not entertaining trading him in any way, shape, or form. I continue to see, and especially at the, you know, the beginning of this game, you see kind of some of that stuff on Suns Twitter where it's like, you know what, Clint Capella and John Collins for yeah. DeAndre Ayton is probably not a bad idea. It's like, well, settle down. Not even go yeah. on Sun's Facebook. It's I don't even want to know what they're potential. saying there. It's because we know what we see when he plays so great. That's what's so frustrating. It's not like Alex Lynn out there was just like, trade his ass, everyone agrees. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just, we're telling people, oh yeah, trade Aiden to teach him a lesson to where he goes to another team. Be like, okay, I learned my lesson. I should have been this way in Phoenix. I could have been their centerpiece if I would have played this way. That's what we see in him. That's why we talk about him so much. That's why we have Aiden watch. That's why I get so drunk and I black out and I say Andre Drummond might be a better piece just because he's more confident, knows what he's doing on the offensive defensive end, even if he's not that much better than Aiden right now. It's just somebody that you can throw in there like that you don't have to worry about trying to motivate to get the job done. Yeah, you want him to play with the same level and intensity that Chris Paul plays with, that Devin Booker plays with. And we've talked about it before, and we'll have to continually talk about it every time we do an eight and watch. You know, that's just not how this dude is built or wired, but you still get those solid. I mean, 16 and 16 tonight. That's absolutely huge. That's the reason that one of the contributing factors to the team winning this game because of his performance in the fourth quarter. Uh, Frank Kaminsky gets the start again. Over Jay Crowder, uh, uh, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, only played a total of 16 mm -hmm. minutes, but he got the start. I mean, it's kind of pointless to me. I don't feel like it's the reason we lost last game because Frank was out of the lineup. I know we were 6-0 with him in the lineup, but just going to Crowder last game, I just thought it was maybe one more game. Maybe you wait till a game like last, last game where we kind of blow it, then you bring Crowder back in. But it just shows it's like make up your mind. It's a little bit of like insecurity with this team. It's like, well, should we just go back to Frank because we won last game? We won tonight, but it's not really because Frank was in the starting lineup. Frank was phenomenal from three today, but he can do that stuff off the bench too as well. But maybe not. Maybe he is a starter in this league to where he plays his best ball if he's a starter. So yeah, keep starting him. That is fine, but don't, don't keep going back and forth. You know what I mean? It's just stay consistent with it, especially if you're on a win streak. Even though it's not the reason we lost last game, just keep it that way. I mean, that's what all Suns fans are looking for, I think. Just the consistency in the offense of the starting five. Well, as Timothy says in the YouTube chat, 7-0 Frank starts. There's something about it. Again, there it's is. not necessarily the defining factor to this team, uh, but it's the way that this team starts. It's the comfortability and the chemistry that's developed with that first team unit that we need to be successful. And you look at that first team unit. They played well together in the first quarter overall. Uh, the Suns put up 33 points, but they gave up 34. And 
you know, Frank Kaminsky or Jay Crowder or Cameron Johnson, you know, whoever it was, it doesn't matter tonight because the, the effort on the defensive end just wasn't there to start the first three quarters of this game. I mean, now the, my, my favorite stat, the Suns 41 points in the fourth quarter, the Pelicans had 12 and I was yeah. hoping so much that they would hold them under 10. Like it would have been so, like 41 to seven. Like that would have looked great. I was like, Oh, it was a football score at the end. But I mean, the first three quarters, that defense just looked disengaged. It, they were letting uh, the Pelicans do whatever they wanted, much akin to how the Nets did it. I think uh, they were talking on the broadcast, and they said between the last two quarters of the Nets game and the first two quarters of the Pelicans game, the Suns had given up a total of 140 points. And this defensive team that we love and we've uh, you know really kind of relied on that defense to be effective has been anything but in recent games. So it starts to get you wondering, okay, what's wrong? And, you know, again, these are little microcosms. This isn't the, the entire season. This is a, a four quarter segment of this team, but the team that has what, what they're fourth in the, in the league in points, uh, all of a sudden we're bleeding points left and right. And again, fourth quarter, t- tighten those screws. And we were, they were the Suns again. Yeah, exactly. In, just to get out of the way again, I do feel a little naked from not watching the first quarter. Uh, shame on me. It felt like a dream. But <laughs> honestly, uh, dude, really well, bad. Well, well, here's what happened in the first quarter, okay? Frank Kaminsky hit three three-pointers. Uh, the Suns looked good on offense, and then they didn't, and they let it run. It was This whole game was a game of runs, and that happened in the yeah. first. The Suns were kind of going back and forth a little bit. They let the Pelicans go up by a few points, and then they put on like a 7-0 run to bring it to within one point. And that's how this entire game went. And then the Suns went on a 16-2 run. And then the Pelicans went on a 15-0 run. And then the third quarter was kind of uh, playing a little accordion back and forth. And then the second team unit wasn't really effective, especially after that Booker technical. And a couple really interesting Booker moments in this game as we are sitting here on the precipice of finding out whether or not he is going to be an all-star for the second year in a row. Uh, the first one came, and I don't know if you saw this, uh, when when Booker had Stan Van Gundy challenge the call. Did you see that? Mm-hmm. So Booker goes up for a layup, uh, just just short jumps it, cut, you know, kind of up and under, goes around the other side, misses it, fouls called, and you know, instantly the Pelicans start doing the finger twirl in the air move. Uh, and Booker, you know, is like yelling at the bench uh, of the Pelicans. So yeah, go ahead and challenge it. And they do it and they overturn it, which mm-hmm. is kind of funny. You know, it's like, you know, he has so much confidence <laughs> that it's fouled. And then they're like, oh no, that's overturned. And as Suns fans, we know like nothing ever gets overturned. So, so to see something and he wasn't touched. And then there was the, the bad technical that he had in the third quarter. You know, the Suns. Bad push the the lead down to three they're down 89 to 86 and Devin Booker uh gets the tech and then you know so the Pelicans hit the 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 free throw and then they hit a three-pointer they're down seven again just like that and as Devin Booker was chirping at the refs again you know he went down it was a wide open layup he did a great he cut the defense right in half, you know, like a knife through hot butter. Oh my God. And, and lays it up. He starts chirping at the female referee. He kicks the ball unbeknownst to him because he was too busy yelling at the ref. Uh, I think it hit him with a big dick, right? Yeah. Big dick. Book slapped that shit no feeling to, down there to half court. Like and then the they teed him up. And then he's, you know, yeah. he's like, why, why? And you watch the replay and instantly after he makes the layup, he turns to the ref and just starts bitching. And that's, you know, bad yeah. technicals by no, Devin Booker. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that one I know you saw. <laughs> that was, like, it, I was waiting for you to explain it on the pod because this is your favorite thing. The technical I'm right there behind it too, man. 
Keep yeah, going. I just, it, I just, I can't stand it when Devin Booker starts getting those bad texts, especially in yeah. a game where we've been down since early in the second quarter, and we're finally within three. It's a, you know, it, four points. We just handed to them. Come yeah, on, we, Booker, you're better than that. We got to move past that because right now this isn't the sons of the old. Because this is that would just be the game right there. That would be technical, and honestly the next step would be Booker getting the second technical right away or else just trying to fight someone in the hallways of the arena. That would have been what was going on in the past, and it was almost going to be like that with tonight. If Monty didn't pull him, it might have just got it out of hand for the Suns because like a lot of what, what Booker was trying to say was a foul was not a foul. It was always opposite. It was a foul, and it wasn't a foul when it like he was saying opposite. And it's it kind of sucks because you see the replays and you see basically him holding guys and saying, "What am I doing? Like, how is that a foul?" Then he just builds up the aggression. I feel like from him and just him trying to prove something. But it didn't cost the Suns, of course, tonight because we pulled away. But those are things where I feel like I thought he was kind of past a technical here or there is fine. Maybe he's always going to be that guy, but he has to make sure that. He doesn't get out of hand. He doesn't lose composure with this team, especially when Paul is not on the floor with him and he's leading this young group. He has to lead by example. And if calls aren't going your way, I'm sorry, dude, book, you're not getting fouled. So I just always think I'm like, what is it that these players are trying to do with the rest? What are they like? A lot of times I see Crowder and even Chris Paul be like, hey, yeah, good foul call. That was a foul. I fouled him. Like you see that a lot from these experienced guys that are in the league. Like I love seeing that more yep. instead of just complaining every time, even though you know you fouled them. Like, what is the point? Where are we trying to get with this? I just don't I don't know what it is. It well, drives and, me nuts though. And normally after something like that happens and the guy gets te- like teed up, he can get get away with something for the next kind of tr- couple trips down the court. And that didn't happen in Booker's case. He instantly was hit with his fourth foul. He's out of the game, and that's kind of what changed the game. The Suns uh, from that point on, really started to put a run on, especially at the beginning of the fourth quarter. Uh, as Thomas says uh, in the chat, Booker needs a relaxing bubble bath with Kendall. He does, because there was one play where he was driving <laughs> to to the right, and and Zion was on him, and Zion bumped him, yeah. and he just he bumped him right out of bounds. That was a foul. That was. And they didn't foul. call that one, and he just handed. You know, Booker was calm in that moment, but on a layup pissed. where where he was, yeah, I was too. I'm like, if he's going to get teched up, like that's the one, like that's the clear foul to me. Mm-hmm. But no, it's the one where he goes on the up and under, you know, that that gets overturned. And then later it's a layup <laughs> and and he feels he's fouled. So, I mean, yeah. you know, as, as Terrell Jack says, we don't get no calls. It, we it's, don't. It's we true. never will until we got some guy in this team. It's funny when we got Chris Paul, I was wondering, I'm like, how many fouls does this guy draw? Because I feel like I always see him with the rest, always doing stuff to get to the line. But he actually doesn't. I mean, he he never really has. He's never the guy to really draw a lot of fouls, I feel like, on the offensive end. He just isn't as good as they are nowadays. Maybe he's just a little bit behind the times to where he could have worked that into his game. So we lost that from that from that addition. Jay Crowder's not the guy either. Anybody we add, they don't get to the line. Just no one does. And of course, I mean, we already did eight and watch, but a, a guy like that, he's not going to get to the line. So I'm just kind of just, I'm past it. There's other ways we can win this game, win these games, because we're doing it and we're not getting to the free throw line. So I guess we just don't have to worry about it really. Yeah, 8 for 12 right from the free throw line for the Suns, why the New Orleans Pelicans went 19 for 24. So they doubled us up on free throw attempts. But a credit to the Not Suns in the, in the fourth quarter, they were forcing the issue and creating fouls early on to where I think with eight minutes left in the fourth, they already had the, the Pelicans at four fouls. Now, obviously, you know, to your point, they didn't necessarily take advantage of that. They started raining the three ball down, 
And that's ultimately what sunk the Pelicans in this game. But yeah, you know, this is a team that I've, I, I can't remember a team that just, it's not necessarily not getting calls. They just don't ever force the issue and try to get to the line. And I think that that's something that is an area of opportunity. It's something we've talked about earlier in the season when the Suns were struggling uh, through those first 16 games and they were losing games and they were 500 at that point. And a lot of those games, they were falling in love with the three-point ball. And we were saying that. It's like, listen, you got to force the issue. You got to slow the game down. I think it was the Clippers game where Chris Paul instinctively just did that. And we were down 22 and we worked our way back. We didn't lose or we didn't win the game, but it was a, a kind of an interesting insight into a way that you can operate as a team, but you just don't necessarily have the staff on this team that has the ability to get to the rim at will like the Pelicans do. I mean, Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, those are two elite guys at getting to the rim. We don't have those guys, but we have guys like Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson still continue to work to get to the rim. Eventually, they will get there. I think they'll get there before Book ever gets consistently to the free throw line at least 14 times. Oh, not 14, 14 attempts a game, maybe something like that, to where you know these elite, elite guards are seeing at least that many attempts per game. I think Mikhail and Cam can maybe get there. Mikhail before Cam, but like you said before, Mikhail is so focused on defense, a lot of the energy comes out of that. Then he's shooting threes. Then if he's hitting threes, his offense gets going. Then he starts getting to the rim. That's the way his game is. So getting the free throw line, I'm kind of past it. I think this is just something that it's not going to happen this year because I feel like we're, I mean, we're the mid-range. Masters of the mid-range. Monsters of the mid-range. So, I mean, that doesn't help our case either, right? If we're just shooting fantastic from the mid-range which i'm i'll keep it that way those I'm okay are with those right there yeah. yeah is there anything more pretty than a mikhail long arm layup no is it scary though does it scare you for him to get injured though i always feel like he's gonna get hurt well him he doesn't he doesn't have a left hand so when he goes to the hoop and he gets forced to the left he throws it up with his right and he does that kind of twisting yes. motion that he corkscrews a little bit and it, it can be a little bit scary but when he it does is. go to the hoop and he just he extends that ball with those long go-go gadget arms and he got that bet that layup he had tonight against brandon ingram who's also a guy with go-go gadget arms <laughs> you know that yeah. was uh outstanding to see i love to see mikhail do things like that and, and you're right you know someday if mikhail can develop a game I wouldn't say necessarily that mirrors Brandon Ingram just because, you know, you, you see the length and you automatically yeah, want to go that way. But a game that mirrors somebody who does regularly attack the basket, it's going to bode nothing but well for this team. And Cameron Johnson's the same way. You know, he's a guy who non-existent in this game in the first half. Cameron Johnson, 0 for 2 in 7 minutes with 0 points. And he put up 13 points in the second half, three for eight from uh, downtown. He had three rebounds, and he had that dunk, you know, where it was just, okay, here he goes. He's attacking. And, and when both of those guys start to attack, it opens up the Jay Crowders. It opens up the other guys on the team, Frank Kaminsky and, and Etwan Moore, if he's on the court with them at the time. And it really creates opportunity on offense. And that's why, you know, teams like the Pelicans, that's how they were living this entire game. You had Zion and Brandon Ingram going inside, and anytime anything would collapse, they'd, they'd throw it out to your boy Lonzo Ball, and he ended 6 <laughs> for 12 from, yeah. from deep, 21 yeah. points, 12 assists for Lonzo Ball. 21 and 12, man. And I know that you and I are, have always been big Lonzo fans. He's somebody I wanted the Suns to draft uh, the year that we took Josh Jackson, Obviously, that was a year where 
we should have had a shot at him, but we fell out of the top three picks and Magic Johnson smiling like an asshole, knowing that he was going to get the number three pick. I've always been a fan of his. His shot's looking a lot better. He's somebody who I'm not saying is an all-star one day, but he's a quality distributor, and that's what you need in this league. He's been playing very well the last five games. Uh, he's starting to kind of increase his stock a little bit. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on Mr. Lonzo Ball? Oh, man, I love him, and I, I hope he gets his own team to run um, the offense. I want him just to be the point guard. Don't throw anybody else in there like a B team or a C team. Not all defensive, or I mean, not all NBA team like like Eric Bledsoe, you know, <laughs> like next to him. You can't have that, man. You got to have him have his own game. But I was thinking that you just covered like what EJ really talks. I mean, that shot that he fixed, it's like he – People talk about all the time how hard it is to change a shot, but he did it. Now he's just advancing his game in the NBA to where I feel like he could take on his own team. Also, Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, get into the line. like That's something yeah. DJ always talks about, opening up their offense from doing that, and it happens all the time. Even if they go to the rim twice, I mean, get a foul, miss a layup or something, and then they, they make a three, maybe go two for three, that opens up everything from them, man. And I think that EJ always says it best where he talks about Aiton's the same way where you just got to basically feed him as well. But back to Lonzo, I just wanted to kind of cover what you just went over. Go Back for it, Lonzo. bro. Go for it. <laughs> Back to Lonzo, though. I think he just needs his own team. I, I will never give up on him as a player. I think LaMelo, of course, just like his dad said, is the best of the ball brothers, but Lonzo still has it. I think he can be a good team on a on a good, decent playoff team. He would need, of course, like two or three better players with him to be in a championship team. But so he what's can wrong definitely with this be a point team? guard. Why, why is wrong this with this his team? team? It has to do with the middle. Okay, there's something to do, and a lot of it has to do with Zion Williamson just getting used to playing basketball, not being injured, being on the floor, just working on his game. So it's going to take a year or so for him to get there, and then everything else will develop around him. But Lonzo himself in the bubble wanted out of New Orleans. For some reason, he's still there, and I just don't like it where they have the two guards, Eric Bledsoe and Lonzo, like I said, Steven Adams in there to clog the lane. I thought, I think... Do you think Zion should play the five or you think he should stick with the four? I mean, they have help with the hermaphrodite and then you have Steven Adams too as well. I just, I, I would like to see Zion play the five and see how that goes. He's big be, enough. He'd get hurt. Interesting. It'd be interesting for sure. I think that the spacing is a little bit different. He's somebody who likes to get the ball out on the wing or at the top of the key and kind of work his way down into uh, the key, and that's how he scores offensively. And then he throws his big ass around on on defense to try to get some of the boards, but that's not necessarily his strong point. I mean, five rebounds, that's all he had tonight, and that's kind of his MO. I think yeah. he's averaging seven rebounds a game this year. So obviously, if he's playing the five, he's going to have to play a lot more uh, defensive basketball, and that's just not necessarily his forte. He's somebody who wants to spend a lot of his energy on the offensive end, and uh, rebound is not kind of... Uh, rebounding isn't something that's necessarily a high priority for him at this point in his career. Uh, he'd be an undersized center. That's for sure. You know, he's yeah. bulky enough, but does he have that game? Does, will he have the energy to literally go, you know, free throw line to free throw line, every possession. I think that's something, you know, there's possessions where he can take a little bit off. If he's guarding Frank Kaminsky out on the, he's not down in the, in the key. So, you know, th those extra feet add up. And again, I think at the end of this game, Zion was a little bit tired. And, you know, this his lack of ability to stop the Suns run offensively, the team became one and done. We turned him into uh, the team into shooters and he is not a shooter. So 
you know, it'd be an interesting experiment to try at some point. Uh, it's they ha- they could run the small ball lineups, but I honestly think in the NBA you need a big man, you need somebody to hold it down. He's an ideal four, in my opinion. Oh, me too. I, I think so too. I just there has to be someone that doesn't clog the lane. Of course, a lot of podcasts talk about that, but it is really true. And there's just no ball movement on that offense either. You have ISO ball, Ingram or Zion, whoever has the ball, basically take it. It's yours. Try to do something. JJ Redick, these other guys. If you're open for three, maybe we'll hit you, but that's all they do. I don't think they move the ball very well right now. So they're still young. Ingram, I bet you anything, Ingram will get traded for something. I just think that has to happen. That's I don't know so why. But it's I know, just, I, I know it's you weird, say the contracts but, don't matter, but I mean, they, they just gave him a max. That's like, that's, they got to get yeah, something. New York will probably take turn. that on, right? Yeah, what they give up, Obi Toppin and a bunch of picks. Julius Randle and Zion, same player. Not, yeah. not even yeah, the same player, but... <laughs> Two yeah. fours, though. Yeah, two big power fours. Yeah, yeah. Send Julius <laughs> Randle back to the Pelicans. Yeah, that'd Matthew, be funny, you huh? are a fantastic general manager. Uh, what What are your thoughts on Jay Crowder in this game? I think that you know we talked about Frank getting the start and how that kind of assists in the chemistry on this team from at least from a starting standpoint. But Jay yes, Crowder sir. played more minutes than he did. He played twenty nine minutes to Frank's sixteen. Frank ended with seventeen points on five for six from downtown. Six for eight overall, uh, two rebounds only, uh, but you know, just unbelievably effective. And then Crowder, 20 points on six of eight from downtown. I mean, you get a lot of these very beautiful looking numbers from your team when you note the fact that the team as uh, as a whole shot 20 t- 22 for 39 from deep, which is good for 56.4% from deep. I mean, that's just. That is asinine. Man. That's amazing. Man. So all of these numbers, you go down the line, and the three point numbers are just just great. Uh, but what are your thoughts on Crowder? You know, he's somebody who we've talked about multiple times. Uh, he's a great presence on this team. He's a veteran that you you need on this team to be successful. Uh, we just talked about how we wish he shoot a little less threes per game. You know what? If you're going six for eight from deep, I'll allow it. Yeah, I'll allow it too, and I want him back in the starting lineup eventually. I think he'll have to be in there, but. Crowder, like, who just said, ah, where was it? Who Someone just, said, just ah. said, ah, Tyler Lyon. Oh, he said something. It went by. Crazy fence. No, something else. Anyways, um, so, yeah, Crowder himself, I mean, he's he's a man I want starting. But him and his defense in the second half, it was really amazing because you really actually you saw him, like, shore up uh, Ingram. It was the only way we could stop that guy because at will he was getting to the line or getting to the rim. So it was something that Crowder had to do. He had to come in and play some extra good defense, and he did that. So he's that guy. But these guys, it's so funny because the starting the starting lineup doesn't really matter too much because it matters who closes. And I feel like yes. is this the first game that Cam or oh my god that <laughs> Mikael Bridges was not in the final five. I feel like it was it was Crowder, it was Camp Johnson, it was Aiden, it was Booker, and it was Paul. So having them close, that was great because you, you saw Crowder come in and do what he had to do, and he only does two things really on offense. Shoot the three. Before he was shooting the three and drawing the foul, now it's just shoot the three when someone's hands in your face. So those are the things he does on offense, and I love it and I hate it. But on nights like this, he won the game for us basically with his defense and offense, just like kind of Aiden. So those two are the big factors, I feel like, in this game. No, completely agree. And I think that, again, you know, Jay Crowder is such a, a valuable force on this team. And I think moving forward, I'm with you. Based on matchups, that's how that's what should dictate who starts, Kaminsky 
or Crowder or even Cam Johnson on occasion. I think that that's okay if the matchup dictates it. You know, the next game that we play and we'll talk about here in a little bit is the uh, the Memphis Grizzlies, and that's a team where I could probably see Crowder getting the start. Uh, given the fact that that's a team that leads the league in assists per game, and you need somebody with more of a defensive mindset to try to disrupt that, versus having you know size, uh, which is uh, something you definitely need against the uh, the New Orleans Pelicans. So yeah, you know, again, a valuable performance by him. Twenty points off the bench is absolutely huge and much needed. You look at the the Pelicans. You know, the majority of their scoring came from their starters they had let's see here if i can do some quick math uh 5 11 don't do that while i'm counting 16 24 points off the bench uh mm-hmm. total and and five of those came from at the very end on you know when they emptied the benches you know they had what 24 crowder had 20 alone and as uh, somebody mentioned in the chat yeah. you know crowder plus 29 tonight you know again plus minus isn't but is it something huge but guess what Plus minus is, you know, if you have a plus 29, there's some sort of impact you had on the game. So kudos to Crowder. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I mean, the depth they have now with Sarge not having a good game, it's fine because we have Crowder. True. True. These guys, I mean, when they're healthy, you need every bit of them. So yeah. The, the don't depth trade of any of these team. dudes. The depth of this team. And, and shout out for Giannis. Shout it's out to, uh, Shannon in the chest. She said, "Happy birthday, Jack!" Yeah, it's my it's my dad's seventy fifth birthday. So oh, happy birthday, Pop! Happy birthday! I know I, he doesn't even know how to work a phone. I, I highly doubt he's on YouTube watching this <laughs> live with us right now. But I guess it's a good time to remind everybody cheers. who is watching. Papa uh, Voida. One cheers to Papa Voida to Jack Voida Jr. I'm John Voida III. So cheers to Dad. Mm. And two, hit the thumbs up button. Subscribe to the podcast. We're hoping for a thousand subscribers by the end of the season. With the Jamster Faithful, we can get there by the end of the week. you know. So tell your friends, yeah. have them subscribe, and make sure that you listen on the Brightside Podcast Network. And if you go to brightsideofthesun.com, that's where you can read all the fun and interesting articles that both Matthew and I uh, post pertaining to the Phoenix Suns. Uh, and One question I did write as I was going through this game, uh, when you look at Etwan Moore, some, uh, he, I'm really starting to fall in love with Etwan Moore. And it got, my, I, it got me thinking... Who's the be- the better backup two guard? Etwan Moore or Langston Galloway? Well, it's going to be Etwan Moore from now on, right? I mean, he pretty much plays his way into that position. The way he's playing, I feel like he's more versatile. He's longer. He can get to the rim better. I love Galloway, but for some reason, he's not coming in if it's a three-point battle. I think that's something that Monty wants to not worry about. If, we're, if the other team's just draining threes like the Pelicans were tonight at a certain point, you don't really want to match it. You want to stick to your game plan. I mean, Galloway, if he comes in, he can do other things too as well. He can shoot the two as well. But I, I think if he thinks he's bringing them in, then it might be a three-point shootout. Maybe something like that. That might be some reason why he's not playing too much. That's the only reason I could think. But interchangeable these guys are. But Etwan Moore, I think, just gets the upper hand because he can play well with the second unit. He can be there defensively a little bit better than Galloway can. Galloway is a sneaky rebounder, of course. I always say that. But Etwan Moore himself, he is fantastic as just a guy that I feel like can get the flow of the offense still going. And I like him on the court. I feel comfortable with him on there. But same with Galloway too. But that's just this yeah. whole team, right, John? I mean, this whole team the is depth. just – it's a depth, dude. And I, I love them both. But if I had to choose Etwan, of course, right now, it's just playing his way into that rotation. No, I, I agree. Uh, it, he I feel like he's a little bit more versatile on offense and uh, infinite tranquility – Asks in the chat more plays the two. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, essentially the way that Monty has built out his rotations since everybody's been healthy is Chris Paul will be on the court with Etwan Moore and campaigns on the court with Devin Booker. And that's the way that he's deployed the his rotations going from the first into the second. Frozen? And then based on kind of oh, how they John perform, is frozen. you Am I still there? Oh, are we back? Yeah, Did we I both don't know. Go out? <laughs> I have what no happened? idea what just happened. Wi-Fi, man. It's probably the Wi-Fi. That's my guess. Oh, wow. Well, we're back. Thank yeah, you for hanging back. in there, guys. Yeah, we appreciate it, Jamsters. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so those are the two kind of lineups that they deploy. And I really think that the versatility, Etuan Moore, and his playmaking ability off of that two guard has really done uh, wonders for the Suns. Langston Galloway is a sharpshooter. Uh, he's like, what's, what's that Marvel, which Marvel character is the guy who shoots Hawkeye? Oh the, yeah. The you most, know, he's more, I, he, I don't like him. Yeah. I, mean, I don't either. Sorry. When he runs out of arrows, what other power does he have? So, but that, that's, uh, <laughs> so, I mean, like Galloway though, I absolutely love Lakes Galloway. And I just, I love this team. Like I love our depth and I love everything about how this team can play when they start clicking. And again, that's why this game was so frustrating for the first three quarters it was just kind of walking through the park, checking out the roses, getting a technical foul. And then the fourth quarter, they turned it the fuck on. And I guess that brings us to probably the one guy we both agree, but we, we haven't really talked about. Uh, who for you, Matthew, is your... Jam star of the game. Who are you giving the award to? Oh, big penis Paul. He is basically, these shots he's jacking up, especially with the clock running down on some of those shots from three, he's going through a really great phase right now, man. He is untouchable, 19 assists. Like, what the hell? This guy basically wants his, he wants his all-star nod. You know, they might say, ah, it doesn't matter, but these guys belong. After John Morant, John Morant, one of my favorite players to watch ever. But on this team, eighteen and ten right now, and what didn't I say? Like they had to be ten games above five hundred, something like that, to get two guys in. They're there almost. They're there I mean, pretty much. Yeah, I know. So <laughs> these two guys get the nod. Just a fantastic game by him. I feel like I'll, I miss a lot of those assists, but him getting Da in the game—that's what changed the game. That's what changed it from just looking at the roses, smelling the the fresh cow manure. That's what changed it is basically him getting DA involved, getting him the ball down low, just trying to find a way to get his shot too as well. And he can pretty much not, he can't miss right now. He's just really, really clutch. And that's why we got him because he's one of the clutchest guys in history, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's proven that time and time again until, <laughs> until the playoffs hit. Right. Uh, and, yeah. and the majority of the jamsters oh, in the, in the chat are agreeing. Although you are getting some love for Frank, the tank a uh, couple there for Jay Crowder, uh, you know, Point God, no doubt. You know, you mm -hmm. call him Big Penis Paul. I call him Big Balls Paul. Uh, you know, you got Big Dick Booker and Big Balls Paul. You know, together they're 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 Big Dick. Um, and, <laughs> you know, but I mean, what a game by him! Oh, quick yeah, shout beautiful. out to one of the jamsters. Apparently, it is also Olivia's birthday. So happy tenth birthday to nice. Olivia, February nineteenth. Don't believe you're an Aquarius, or no Aquarius? Yeah, your still, dad's an Aquarius. Still, my dad's right. an Aquarius and Olivia's yeah, I guess, an Aquarius. I think it starts the 19th, right? February I don't know. Ah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Uh, but I mean, the, the performance that he had in this game, 15 points, 19 assists. 
one assist shy of of 20 assists for Chris Paul. I mean, he just continues to showcase that he has the fight in him. You know, this is the veteran. This is the guy who's almost 36 years old, and he's your toughest son of a bitch out there, and he yeah. wants to win every game. In the Nets game, he was the guy who held us in that game in the fourth quarter, and the Suns just went away from him in the last, like, four possessions. Yeah. It's like every Killed game us. he is ready to put this team on his back and carry them to victory, and he's the oldest guy. And, you know, you just – what happened tonight is everybody else – it's like, oh shit! Chris wants to win the game, and I probably should too. Let me knock down this three. <laughs> yeah. Let me let me you know take the double team and pass to a wide open Jay Crowder. Let me dunk this ball in the fourth quarter. You know, so I mean, all these great things happen in the fourth quarter. I mean, this game is just so odd. You know, because right before this starts, my wife comes in and is like, "How are the Suns doing?" I'm like they're down eleven, honey. She's like, "Oh, okay." You know, and then it's like, "Oh, um, they won by like eighteen points." You know. It's like, <laughs> I'll what tell you, man, it starts with DA. Fuck. I swear to God, he is the one piece, man. We do love this team, but to be that the best team in the league, we have to have DA play that way. We just have to. You have to. You have, have to. to. 16, I know CP3 was amazing, but come on, dude. Like Once he started taking off defensively and offensively, it was over. When you control the paint in the NBA, you can win games. And although you look at the overall statistics, points in the paint, the Suns have had 48 and the Pelicans had 50. The valuable thing about our points in the paint is they opened up the three-point shooters, and in this game, they knocked them down at the clip of 56.4%. So, you know, that's how you win the game is uh, you, you score more points than the other guys. And you make uh, us happy. When you lose, it, we want to trade Aiden. <laughs> we never want to <laughs> trade Aiden. Stop getting drunk, man. Stop getting drunk, because those are that's drunk talk. Thoughts. Um, brains? So it's now time for the Our Thoughts segment where we talk about things that are going on inside the NBA and that as they pertain to the Suns. And obviously the one thing that everybody's kind of talking about right now is the fact that the uh, the All-Star voting has concluded. Uh, and now we at least know who the starters are. We'll know Tuesday who all of the reserves are as they will announce them at that point. But if you take a look at the Western Conference uh, you'll see that Stephen Curry and Luka Doncic have both earned the starts with Damian Lillard coming in third, Donovan Mitchell fourth, Devin Booker fifth, John Morant sixth, and Chris Paul seventh. Uh, this is based off of the fan rank, the player rank, and then the media rank. And I think what's yeah. you know very interesting about this is the fans what, – what, what's interesting about this for you, Matthew, before I, I go on my spout? Well, um, of course, he might be going with Doncic, but it makes sense for Doncic to start. I know it hurts a lot of Suns fans, a lot of people around the league, especially with Damian Lillard playing it the way he is right now. To me, I think Doncic doesn't deserve it, but he's going to be a starter in this league like Yao Ming until Yao Ming just was injury riddled to get out of the league. He was going to be a starter the rest of his life. He, I think he beat Shaq like back-to-back years in all-star voting. They're, that's just going to happen. So whether or not they're winning or not, Luka Doncic will always be a starter as long as he has those uh, triple doubles. So that's one thing. But other than that, I mean, what I want to see is I want to see this top, the top, I think top seven looks good. And for the guards, John Morant, I think should not be in. Chris Paul should be in. Donovan Mitchell deserves it. The only thing that sucks is Rudy Gobert is not going to make it for the Utah Jazz. Have an amazing year, even though no one believes in them. Yeah. And then Anthony Anthony Davis, though, he will not be playing. He's out for four weeks. Yep. So he should not be playing the All-Star game. So that frees up one spot. So I say Chris Paul and Devin Booker both make it. 
Go ahead, John. The floor is yours. Well, I think you're right. You know, if this team continues, you know, seven games now, we have seven games until the all-star break. And you look at those seven games and there's some winnable games. We have Charlotte. We have the Bulls. Uh, we're, we are going to play that Laker team that doesn't have Anthony Davis. We play the Timberwolves. We have Memphis tomorrow. So there's some winnable games in there. And if the, the Phoenix Suns can run off five and two to end this last seven uh, game stretch and go into the all-star break at 23 and 12, it's going to be very interesting to see if Chris Paul does in fact get in there. Uh, I agree. I, I don't think that Luka Doncic should be a starter. I think that Damon Lilly, Damian yeah. Lillard should, as the players and the media both think as well, as they both ranked him the number two guard in the league. I think Steph Curry and Damian Lillard, your best two guards in the Western Conference. I completely agree with that. Luka, I can, I can understand why. You, he puts up the statistics. Uh, he is on a bad team, but we saw that last year with Trey Young. I think that's what's really interesting is the fact that Devin Booker got the fourth overall uh, ranking from a guard perspective from the players. Uh, I love that. I love you know the respect that he's garnered. If the referees were, were to give a rank, it'd probably be 45th because all he does is fucking yell at him and get technicals. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, great point on Rudy, Go Rudy Gobert. You know, you look at him, the media ranked him as the fourth overall front court guy. Uh, the fans ranked him 12th. And unfortunately, you know, I really, I, I like the fan vote. I like going on Twitter and, and getting the retweets and all that fun stuff. Uh, but the fan vote is just too heavily ranked. You know, it should be a third, a third, a third, or maybe even 20% for the fan vote because, you know, at the end of the day, and I get it, you know, the, the, the NBA wants the fans to be engaged and they, you know, obviously that means that the fans want to see Luka Doncic start the game. At the end of the day, it really doesn't matter. Just like the Suns lineup with Frank mm -hmm. Kaminsky, it really doesn't matter if he's starting the game. It's it's about who finishes the game. And I doubt Luka will be in there when the game comes to a conclusion. So yeah. uh, we'll see what happens. I really think that Devin Booker is making a case for himself. And Chris Paul, without a doubt. You know, another performance like tonight, and he'll be in there. But but what this shows me more than, more than anything is we, outside of the Brooklyn Nets, we have the best backcourt in the NBA because uh, you look at the other side with the Eastern Conference, you have Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant both made it from the Nets. Bradley Beal made it, and then Giannis and Joel Embiid. I mean, that just makes sense. But, you know, the fact that the Phoenix Suns have two of their guards ranking the top seven in all-star uh, results is, I mean, is a far cry from three years ago. Isaiah Kanan never did that. No, he didn't. Honestly, <laughs> Kyrie, I thought James Harden maybe deserved the nod over Kyrie because I Kyrie did miss that time just because even though James Harden, oh, we're back on. Also, stop picking my nose. Stop picking your nose. Um, that, well, I talk a lot better with my my finger in my nose. But um, James Harden, though, I think he just deserved it over um, Kyrie. I do too. But Kyrie either way, takes the eight games off. You know, yeah. Harden took eight games off at the beginning of the season because he wanted out of Houston. So, I mean, yeah. But. <laughs> but anyways, I mean, it looks fine. Really, in the West, there's not really anybody. Maybe besides, if it's gonna be John Morant or Chris Paul that are gonna miss the the All Star game, I just think those are maybe the two that you can argue. Like, hey, yeah, they should have been in. Other than that, there's not really any fuss. I feel like, except for Luka Doncic starting, but that's about yeah. It. I, I don't even think it's so much Luka starting. It's the fact that Dame isn't, and that's more where I stand. I'm more upset that Dame isn't. He's been playing at an all-star level. C.J. McCollum went out 14 games ago. He's led the Portland Trailblazers 
to a ten and four record in that time on pretty substantial shooting clips. Yeah. He's not he's not at uh, 50, 40, 90, but he's just shy, and he's just playing great basketball. And meanwhile, Luka Doncic is on a team that's losing. He's putting up stats that don't really matter. He's crying at the end of games. He's pissing and moaning. I mean, Dame's just got that killer look. And and of course, as a Phoenix Suns fan, I will always have an affinity in my heart for Damian Lillard for faking an injury last year yes. so Devin Booker could become an all-star. So I think Best that Dame should have been. It was. I mean, we finally got an all-star in because of Dame. So kudos yeah, to him. The, screw the step back, dude. That was his best move. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Next segment we have is our... Guess what? It's the guess what segment. And we take a look at some of the things that we guessed coming into this game. Uh, you know, obviously playing against the the Pelicans, Zion is the big, you know, kind of question mark. Over under, Zion points in the paint, 18.5. He ended the game with a total of 23 points. Uh, but of those 23, he made seven of those from the free throw line. So that tells me that he actually hit the under. And I think we both took the over in that. Or no, we, we went... might have. No, you went over. I went under because we didn't agree on either any of these. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> Devin Booker. We said over <laughs> under 28 and a half points against the Pelicans. Uh, he did end with 23 points on nine of 18 shooting yep. one technical foul. Uh, so I think you took the over and I think I took the under. I think or I, I might, said under. I said under for then sure. Then I might have said over. Next time I'll rewatch it just in case. But yeah, it is funny doing it this way. I like doing it where we just don't know. Yeah. <laughs> We're just going but we do know who, who wins. We both, you know, Suns, Suns or oh, it, it says Nets. Yeah, it's such a <laughs> oh. Pelicans. I'm so bad at this. Hey, you, you oh, try being a, a podcast recorder and producer at the same time. It's, right, it's not I'll the easiest it. thing. But Suns or Pelicans, <laughs> uh, we both said the Suns would win this game, and we were both correct. So on the year, Cheers. I'm 8 and 5. You nine are 9 and four. and 4. So Matthew, you still have a game that lead dime. on me. The diamond in the middle is so royal. It looks so it, good. It is, and it's orange for the Suns. That's why I do these things. Oh, so beautiful. next up, Memphis Grizzlies tomorrow yes, at sir. 7 p.m. Uh, what are your thoughts as we take a look at playing mm-hmm. the Memphis Grizzlies? Sorry, I did the yes. I never do yes, sir. I don't know why I did that. Yes, sir. You did. Nervous thing, I guess. Uh, Memphis Grizzlies. So it's funny in the West. It's like you think you have a night off, but of course you don't. Even though Memphis is kind of like the Pelicans where they're struggling, they're up and down. 12 and 12 right now. I think they played the Pistons tonight. I'm not sure if they won or Correct. not. Correct. Did they win or, uh, or no. knows? who knows? Correct. They played the Pistons. <laughs> yeah. Incorrect. I don't know the score. <laughs> um. So it's, I mean, it's a team you have to watch out for. I was looking at the last, uh, the Suns last eight games. It's like, oh, these are kind of winnable, but they're really not. Any team you're playing in the West, they're all struggling, fighting to get in the playoffs. Suns with the target on their back. But Memphis themselves, a little inj- injury riddled. I think I said that twice already this podcast, but they they for sure are. And that's taken away from their growth as a team. But when you have John Morant, scary. I mean, who's going to stop him? You see Mikhail Bridges maybe playing him after Mikhail Bridges just kind of got walloped over by uh, Ingram today. You think it's a little bit of revenge from this last game? Maybe. Maybe we see that. But there has to be a way to stop him. But he's already an all-star. Even though he might not make it this year, he is going to be an all-star sooner oh, or later. Sure. He's going to be a superstar. So this whole team is, even if they have injuries, they're still fighting, dude. And Dylan Brooks is a day-to-day. He didn't play tonight, of course, but of course he'll probably be back for the Suns because he kills the Suns every time we play him. Oh, Dylan Brooks, uh, one of those guys. I, you know, He's in my top five guys who annoy me list. Uh, you know, The Grizzlies are one of those, those teams that, you know, if you feel a team has the Suns number, the Grizzlies are one of those teams that 
has our number. You know, you look the the, the Suns yeah. during the the Steve Nash era, era Steve Nash era Steve Nash era, <laughs> yeah, dominated the Grizzlies. It was a team we would dispatch. I remember we played them in the playoffs one year and went right through them. them. Uh, but since Steve Nash left the Suns. Memphis is 21 and 9 against Phoenix, including 4 and 1 over in the last 5. And that includes the the national TV Martin Luther King Day loss 108 to 104 against the Grizz. So they're one of those teams that, you know, they're 13 and 12 on the season. Uh in theory you should beat them. It shouldn't be an issue. Like you said Dylan Brooks is is questionable with a quad. But you just you just don't know with that team. You know, it's a team that again just Gives us fits, uh, you know, more assists. Who who do you got? The Suns or the Grizzlies? Suns. All right, I'm going to go Grizzlies. Okay. We, we, it would make we'll, sense. And we'll, and we'll both forget that we said that. Exactly. And I was actually going to say, these two games, if we split them, I would be fine with it because I feel like they're both tough matchups for the Suns. We have to overcome just like, are the Pelicans going to be a tough team to face for the Suns now? But they're not. I mean, we went back to the first game where we basically dismantled them. This game, though, against the Grizzlies, if we do lose, I don't think I'll be as mad and want to trade. Not that I wanted to trade Aiden, but I just, you know, throw it out there. Um, I don't think I'll be that mad because I'm happy we might split these two games. So win or lose, as long as it's a tough fought game, Sun should still win. But you're going Grizzlies. I like that, dude. I'm going to get some gain on that on that uh, win percentage, dude. No, you're not because this is for more assists in the game, not for who's going to win the game. Oh, <laughs> Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's funny because you <laughs> you have it written out wrong, so I don't even look anymore. So I just go oh, off like, well played, well played. Okay, okay. Well, and the reason I bring this up is because the Grizzlies do lead the league in assists. They are first in assists per game, and you know, prior to the performance tonight, the Suns were uh, tenth in the league. So it's two teams that like to move the ball around. They create offense for each other. Uh, it'll be interesting to see who wins that uh, over under. Dylan Brooks foul baits fourteen and a half. Wow, 14 and a half. Yeah, I'm, gonna do, um, I'm taking the I'm over. Okay, go over. <laughs> just for fun. Every time he gets the yeah. ball, he just looks like he's at an ACDC yeah. concert, rocking like, his head up and down. Rock. Yeah. A God, he, he annoys me. The Glitch. That should be his nickname, The Glitch. Seriously, yeah. He's like the Matrix, but like, you know, not, not our Matrix. Could you only he's jump like, half as high? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just, Dylan Brooks is just one of those guys who, you know, I, Last time we played them, somebody put a great clip, and I will put it on here on the podcast next time, especially if we lose, of a play when he was playing for the University of Oregon where he was he did a foul bait, and it's like a minute after the, the play ended, he like fell over. It's just he he's just one of those players just annoy me. Again, he's on my top yeah. five. Uh, I'm annoyed by this guy list. You know, uh, It's not like Jamal Murray. Like Jamal Murray, when he beats us, he beats us because he just, for some reason, becomes lethal against the Phoenix Suns. Like Dylan Brooks is just annoying the way that he yeah. plays basketball he go every time he drives to the rim he's bouncing and bobbing his head up and down it's like that's not a real basketball i, I could do that and try to drop a foul a, it might be a nervous twitch but yeah i mean he is kind of punchable he looks like jared dudley and celine dion had like a baby that's what he looks like and it just is kind of frustrating every night in my sleep i see him i hate him uh so who wins this game suns or uh the I pelicans you know my answer the assists i'm picking the suns and then i'm picking the suns to win you already know why i went a yep. little too early i pre-ejaculated and, and, I mean, and i had to retype it to say grizzlies not pelicans uh god <laughs> i love you the know, show I no know. it's fine i love it dude i don't even care i don't care the answers might 
do they send you death threats after these things? Do they no. do they mail you when stuff? they email us at Sun's Jam Session at gmail.com? They're always like, John, your graphics, they're horrible. No, they don't. They I, yeah, I, the no jamsters one, love us and we no love them. That, that's what makes I mean, this awesome. So they just love us. And uh, I'm gonna go Suns win in this game too. You know, I think there will be no separation, Matthew. Uh, I think that this is a team that we can beat. I think that the fourth quarter tonight will carry into tomorrow night's game. And Monty will, you know, say, Hey, see guys, you can do anything. You can be down 11 points. So the, one of the worst defensive teams in the league, and just beat the <laughs> shit out of them, yeah. you know, 42, 41 to 12 in the fourth. So I think that the, we can beat the Grizzlies. It's going to be a good feeling to beat the Grizzlies because we never beat the Grizzlies, uh, Grizzlies. So, uh, <laughs> I, I think that's all we have for this edition of the sun's Jam session podcast. Yeah, I know it flies by, man. I was really, really bummed that we were going to have to come on here and talk about losing the Pelicans. And then thank you, Suns. Thank you for that fourth quarter. Thank for thank you for coming together as a team and remembering, oh, shit, we are one of the best teams in the NBA and we know how to play basketball and doing so. I think that a lot of the Jamsters agree that they were you know, getting ready to get pissed. And then mm-hmm. the Suns flip the script. So very well done. As as Grim says in the chat, I had fun, you know, and and, and we have fun here at the Suns Jam Session Podcast. Always so, fun. you know, even though my graphics are very subpar, That's I appreciate it yeah, for everybody but me from, you know, from. But remember, if you are watching, please hit the thumbs up button. Please subscribe. Please tell your friends. Have them come over and subscribe too. stop by Bright Side of the Sun and for the best phoenix suns content on the interwebs you can follow the show on the bright side podcast network make sure you rate subscribe and review you can follow me on twitter at darth voida you can follow him on twitter i'm matthew lissy and you can follow the show on twitter instagram and tiktok at suns jam we will see you tomorrow night once the memphis grizzlies are downed by the phoenix suns and we'll be sitting at 19 and 10 until then jamsters have a fantastic evening we'll see you tomorrow yeah, Jamsters, thanks for joining us. And uh, I didn't even say that right. Thanks for joining us. Um, everyone go home and uh, drown your family with love. Aw, that's very nice of you, Matthew. Take care, buddy. <laughs>